everyone. Thanks for supporting the show. And before you get into listening to our thoughts on Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, Matt Goes to the Movies would like to take this opportunity to let you know about another great giveaway that we have, and that is for Assassin's Club. Assassin's Club is an action-packed thrill ride that is now streaming on Redbox On Demand. Henry Golding stars as an elite assassin who must kill six targets around the world, only to discover they're also out to kill him. Sam Neill and Naomi Rapace also star in this must-see globetrotting action thriller. It's directed by Camille Delmar, and it's streaming now instantly on Redbox and is rated R from Paramount Pictures. We'd like to take this time to thank Matt360 for once again sponsoring this giveaway and thank you to the listeners. We hope you enjoy our review. What's going on, listeners? Welcome back to Matt Goes to the Movies. It's It's been a little while. Um, some technical difficulties uh, caused us to lose most of uh, The Last Crusade, which we are working on. But this episode, you've clicked on it. We're here to talk about Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. It took 19 years for this movie to come out after The Last Crusade. And wasn't highly thought of when it released made a ton of money but essentially killed the franchise until now with the dial of destiny but like a lot of things you go back maybe your views have changed maybe your demeanor has changed on movies and is this as bad as i remember it back in 2008 that's what we're here to talk about rob harrison I uh, have joined again as we're finishing up the Indiana Jones, but Rob, I'll, I'll kick off to you. Um, you know, I, this is the third time I've seen this movie. Now I, I saw it when it first released and was just baffled by what I saw on screen. Uh, some of that still holds true today, but there's, there's some definite things I want to talk about with this movie. Oh yes. There are definitely things to talk about with this movie. This is only the second time that I've seen it. I saw it once and I was pretty certain that that was good enough for me. I I really did want to revisit it for a lot of reasons. Um, you kind of touched on some of them, Matt, but over time, you know, maybe you're in a certain mood when you see something and, and kind of revisit it. I also think that with a film like this, with a franchise like this, the expectations are so high that they can almost never be met. I mean, it, it would be so hard to meet the expectations that people would have for a follow-up in this, in this series. So with the, with the kind of disappointment that it wasn't what we wanted it to be already out of the way and just watching this kind of almost with fresh eyes. And, and to be honest, there's so much of this movie that I'd forgotten about because it was so long ago and, and largely forgettable other than some of the really bad missteps um, that, that kind of tend to stand out, you know, the whole nuking the fridge thing, which I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about at some point, you know, you kind of remember those bits, but there's so much of this that I'd forgotten that it was almost like rewatching it for the first time. And I, I think to some extent there's, there's parts of it that I forgot were actually successful and, and did accomplish what they were trying to do. Um, but it's still not good. <laughs> <laughs> as as we'll get into um 
but you know, it's, it's interesting in the lead up to watching this and, and certainly with the dial of destiny, uh, having hit theaters recently, there's been a lot of revisionist history go on and people go back, rewatch this. And I've seen probably like half a dozen articles being written kind of defending this movie. And what's interesting is you never need to write articles in defense of actually really good movies. Like you never see clickbait articles saying five ways. The empire strikes back is actually good. Like six things that you didn't realize were actually really good with the last crusade. Like you don't need to do those. And the internet right now is just chock full of articles trying to convince you to click on them based on the premise that this movie isn't that bad and they're all wrong, but you know, these things are out there. Yeah, I think that's going to be a lot of what we talk about. Um, but Harrison, you know, you, you've stated in previous episodes how much, you know, Indiana Jones was a part of your childhood. And certainly this, uh, you know, this movie came out well after. Um, but, you know, any not the whole thing yet, because we're going to get into that in a deep dive. But any changes in your initial thought of this movie? Yeah, that's that's a, a difficult question to answer because my thoughts on this movie have changed dramatically for years now, if that makes any sense. I mean, The Kingdom of the Crystal Soul came out in 2008, and it's hard to remember exactly what I thought of it when I first saw it, but I think that pop culture lowered my opinion of it, and so I was excited to come back with the maturity to finally form my own opinion instead of letting it be formed by the consensus and, and decide, okay, what do I actually think of it? Do Did I enjoy it the way that... Do I enjoy it now the way that I did with my child perspective, childish perspective, or is is pop culture right and I should get with the times and understand that, that they were right all along? And it changed again... I'm not going to reveal how it did, but it did change again drastically. Yeah, uh, I think drastic is is a pretty good word for some of the things that I think about this movie, rewatching it. But with with all of that being said, we're going to stick to the rummage for the rotten, which we're you know Harrison is kind enough to let us borrow from the basement binge, but. Based on what we've said so far and based on what I know, I think um, I I think it's going to be no doubt that Rob is the rotten in this. Uh, so, Rob, I'll let you take your, uh, you know, your time here to to say who you think is going to be. It's probably going to be you, I would guess. Um, yeah, there was no way I could have been the rotten for the first three. Uh, it is most certainly going to be me for this one. Harrison, where do you stand on that? Yeah, I, I agree. It's totally Rob. I'm, I mean, the rotten is going to be no surprise. I'm m more curious to see who's going to be like the least rotten, who's going to be the most ripe, if you will, between you or I, because uh, I'm getting some vibes that that's not how this conversation go. Once again, Rob might be outnumbered when it comes to appreciating things like The Last Jedi and, and maybe now The Kingdom of the Crystal Ball. Who knows? Not saying that those are comparable, but... Yeah, I mean, I, I think they are. I think they are. So, you know, let's let's get into this and, you know, we'll get we'll get this out of the way. There is there's absolutely no doubt that there are problems with this movie. And one of those problems is the CGI. It's is, you know, with 
4K and high definition. It was clear in the theater way back when in 2008. I, I've mentioned this where that scene with the refrigerator, I just, I was, uh, I was with my friend Mike at the time and we were just both in awe, not in a good way, but in a, how do you film this? How do you actually put this on screen with how that looks? And not just because of the ridiculousness of Indiana Jones being in a fridge when a nuclear blast goes off and getting tossed around and being completely fine. Um, just how it looks on screen. And there's a lot of those parts um, in this movie where it is, it, it's so bad. It's, it's some of the worst CGI in a, big blockbuster um you can probably put it up there if they had a top 10 list it's, it's got to be on there but those things aside and it's it's probably 25 minutes too long I, I think this movie could definitely help from some pacing issues but looking back on re-watching this movie the one thing that i was really surprised with that i did not the first two times I watched it really take into account is there's a, there's a lot of good performances in this. It definitely follows the same Indiana Jones trope, but there's good performances. There's some heart behind it. I think the story isn't as ridiculous as I first thought it was. And I feel like I have a lot more appreciation for this. Um, Yes, granted, there are some things that I'll get into further and guys will talk about those that, you know, I go, oh, geez. And that's where I think maybe 25 minutes this could have been trimmed down. Um, but I found myself actually enjoying this while I was watching it, which was funny because like in that first 20 minutes, I'm like, oh, my God, it's the same movie. I remember this piece of crap. How am I going to get through this thing? And I, I, I started to soften up. Um, and I was really surprised by that, but Rob, I'll let you kind of, you know, play off of that. And I, I don't think you're going to have the same opinion, but I, you know, you've already stated you, there's some things that worked in this movie. Were you, were you surprised by that? Yes, I, I was because I just largely remember this movie as being just terrible with almost no redeeming qualities. I, I, I remember more about South Park making fun of this than I actually remembered of this movie. And one of the things that does work is the performances. Uh, you know, I think when you look at Harrison Ford in almost anything he's done, he's he's just fantastic. You just get drawn in by him. Um, he's largely just everything we've come to expect from him. Uh, you know, when he's, um, you know, when he and Marion are in scenes together, like even though some of the dialogue is pretty terrible uh, at times, even though like some of what, like why they're saying things doesn't always make sense. Um, the, the two of them together actually pull it off and they kind of like obscure the fact that the scene itself isn't very good because the way they're doing it is so good. I think there's a lot of that going on um, at different points of this movie. It, it, those performances save it. I think the the Indiana Jones of it all does save this movie at times where you've got the hat, you've got the music, you've got Indy punching bad guys. Like there's something just magical about those things when they're together that I think kind of wallpapers over some holes that 
if you choose to just have fun with the things that do work, you could actually have a little bit of fun with this movie. But I do think that there's a ton of things. And, and Matt, you, you referenced the opening of this. There's that long opening where the army guys are just driving through the desert with the kids in the open car trying to like make them race. Oh, my God. It is so long, pointless and stupid. You were talking about the runtime being too long. Like that that scene was just like awful, like just to start off, it's way too long. And I guess they're trying to just tell you, Hey guys, this is set in the fifties. Like, yeah, we get it. Like we get it. We, you don't need to literally cram in every single like pop culture reference uh, and of fashion and music and cars for us to figure out. This is the fifties. You could have literally just put a graphic like Reno or, or, you know, 1957 or what, what 56, whatever it was, we could have figured it out. Um, but they're but to getting back to the performances, there's there's some good stuff there uh, at different points. Wow, I mean, what do I even respond to? Um, what I will say is that while I can agree with the two of you that that there's parts of this that are long, that, that there's parts of it that aren't needed. I was surprised by how much of this feels like an Indiana Jones movie. And that's why it works so much for me is that I think what I've come to believe is that this is like an extreme departure from what Indiana Jones is and and what Indiana Jones means to us and that type of stuff and and the character of Indiana and all that. And and I had addressed this, I think it was in the Temple of Doom, Temple of Doom episode where I said these older films and, and revisiting the trilogy helps me realize that that what happens thematically and plot wise in kingdom of the crystal skull isn't that far-fetched for what we've seen in indiana jones and and it, this feels at home and the way that the film progresses it feels very much indiana jones the ending kind of jumps out of nowhere but everything up until that is very much indiana jones and what we love there there's a little bit too much cgi but harrison ford is fantastic i even like kate blanchett her accent is sometimes annoying but i still think she's a great indiana jones villain and then you have um, Shia LaBeouf is Mutt, and I think that he is another great sidekick, so to speak, to Indiana, who has great chemistry with him. Like these, these characters and the performances behind them are some that are captivating and moving at the times when they need to be, and also just flat out fun. And yeah, there's some glaring things that I will address, and I, I'm going to complain about that are are huge problems. But the good in this, and I will say this firmly from the beginning, the good and the fun that I had with Kingdom of the Crystal Skull far outweighs the glaring problems. I wish there was a cut of this movie that didn't have those things where we could remove them or shorten them or make those decisions done differently because if they, they were different, like if the opening's different, if the ending's maybe a little bit different or or visually different, and if there's a little bit let, less CGI and that fridge scene isn't in it, I think we have a pretty amazing, seamless Indiana Jones movie because I was having fun the whole time. Um, here's what I'll say, Harrison. I think you said a lot of really good things right there. You know, watching these continuously here and the end of this movie, is it really any more far-fetched than what we saw in the first Indiana Jones? These do 
this feels so much more like an Indiana Jones movie than I truly remembered. Um, I don't know why Harrison, again, I think you said it really well. It felt like when I watched this, it was such a huge departure from Indiana Jones. Now, certainly maybe in the, in the time, the CGI and certainly how ridiculous some of this stuff looked could have helped, but going back now, like, yeah, this is Indiana Jones. Like, I, I don't know why I felt like this was such a, a far, you know, turn off of the path of what an Indiana Jones movie was. And speaking of the characters, you mentioned them, you know, besides the obvious stunt double, that's another, pro that's another problem in this movie. And Shia LaBeouf had this in Transformers. Um, you can clearly tell when it's not him. And there's a lot of scenes where I'm like, good God, they like, they don't try to hide this at all. Um, but he's much better than I remember him in this movie. Uh, minus scenes that he's put in to look like a complete idiot. Um, I'm looking at you swinging vine scene. Um, yep. But him as a character, Mutt, I actually really liked. And again, Rob, I, I, I was much like you, even though, you know, again, I, I mean, I've only seen this one more time than you, but rewatching this, I was surprised at how much I didn't remember of the in-between parts of refrigerator Shia LaBeouf swinging with, you know, the monkeys, it just things that you really like you bookmark about this movie. And it's like, well, there's like what a whole like there's like a whole nother two hours of movie that it was almost erased from my mind. Like the men in black came down and said, nope, you only remember these aspects of the movie. So uh, that's something I was really surprised with and how much I was in my personal opinion wrong in the moment of this is not an Indiana Jones film. So there's, there's been multiple attempts to make a fourth indie movie yes. and it seemed like George Lucas always wanted to make it about aliens, always had that in mind. There was one treatment out there for a script that I believe that was going to be called the saucer men from Mars. Yes. Um, and that was, it was always about aliens and pieces of that actually made its way into this movie. Uh, then there was another script that's freely available on the internet. It's pretty easy to find from what I understand uh, called city of the gods. And it was largely this same movie. Um, and it really sounds like from some of the, the reading I've done that that script is far superior to this one from what everybody has, has said about it um, for a variety of different reasons it didn't get made. And it actually does include the nuking the fridge scene, so it's not perfect. I think when you look at some of the things that are problematic about this, and Matt, you kind of said that this is this is an Indiana Jones movie. I think the initial reaction to this was, okay, the fridge thing is terrible. The CG is pretty bad. And keep in mind, this came out after Michael Bay's Transformers. So we've already seen, like, with amongst his contemporaries, what you can do with special effects um, in that age. And it's, and this is terrible. 
there's that there's Shia LaBeouf's character swinging like Tarzan and somehow Dr. Doolittle and all the orangutans to follow him and attack just those specific bad people over there. Not these good people. Just follow me, fellow simians. We're going to we're going to go save the day. There's those things that are terrible. I think largely Shia LaBeouf's character is kind of I, I don't think a lot of people liked him. Um, I, I, I didn't have a problem with how he performed it, but I just, I felt like the character could have used a little bit of work. Um, he could have been a little more endearing than he was. He, he really doesn't come across very endearing in a lot of ways. Uh, I think some of the dialogue is clunky about, you know, why she kept him a secret for all those years. Uh, some of that gets kind of clunky in there. And really, I think the ending between the CG being awful and not really being able to tell what's going on and why, and not really having a lot of explanation for why anything's happening. I, I think if you tighten some of those up, this is a much better movie. And and I don't think this is one of those ones that like you have to go, you would have had to go revisit it to get a better opinion of, or write articles trying to defend it. Those, if you tighten some of that up, if you kind of maybe had started with, I think it's Frank Darabont wrote the script for uh, city of the gods. If you kind of stuck with some of those ideas, um, there, there's actually a really strong movie here. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I liken it to, um, regardless of what I think of the movie, but I, I liken what you said to the rise of Skywalker and how the script for, you know, uh, Colin Trevorrow's version seems far superior. And I, I really do have a blast with rise of Skywalker. I've just accepted what it is. Um, but it, it, it's always funny when you get to see, and again, we, how does that film? We don't know this. It can sound great, but you get it on film and it's like, uh, oh, geez, that really, you know, it didn't work. So I guess what was happening, but yeah, you know, that's the, the script that you're describing at least on paper, when you read it, you sit there and go, yeah, this seems like a tighter movie. It seems better paced, um, makes a little bit more sense. And I think when, and Harrison, I'll let you, you go here. Um, you know, Rob, like you said, when you start this movie off with those things right in your face, again, when I first saw this in theaters, it was very hard to let go of like that opening 25 minutes because it was just like, why is this what you would after 19 years of waiting to see Indiana Jones and see this character back? What in the hell was your decision to have this be what we saw? That's what baffled me. And it was very hard for me to let that go all the way back in 2008 because it just, I couldn't wrap my head around the decision to start your movie like that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really interesting. Like very literally the start is just that super long scene of the people driving that amounts to absolutely nothing. Like all the previous Indiana Jones films had some like immediate sense of adventure, some immediate sense of Indiana Jones-ness that got us started here. And here we, we get some dumb car. And then, like, it's fun that you see, like, if I put myself into the mind of someone who hasn't seen Indiana Jones in a long time, it's fun to see him get out of the car. But it's weird that the movie starts with him being captured. You know, that, that's not how Indiana Jones movies go. It, well, actually, I take that back. The Temple of Doom started that way. But 
that was a completely disjointed start as well. So it's just kind of a weird start to Indiana Jones that that it's not the start of him going on the adventure. It's not the start of him getting involved in an adventure. He's captured for some reason, for something after pottery, something like that. And then and then we get this ridiculous scene with the bomb. And and there's just so much happening in that that while parts of it are fun and and Indiana Jones escaping from the warehouse is really fun and 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 that escape is kind of fun what it how would how it's weird to start there like maybe that scene would work better halfway through the movie or or a fourth way into the movie after we get something else um and then to have it end with the most ridiculous scene ever like maybe i could forgive the fridge but to have it look that bad too, like not only is it just pretty lame storytelling, it just looks horrible too. And then it ends with this ridiculous, unnecessary shot of a CGI pot gut. Why is that necessary? Why is it there? Who decided that that was a good idea? Not only does it look bad, like what is that doing? Why is the pot gut there? What does that have to do with anything? Uh, the whole thing is just, just, it's just kind of, while it, the, the, fridge scene in particular is is bad i will claim that as bad the whole thing just sets off a weird vibe to the movie um and people remember the beginning of movies and the end of movies the best and sadly those are the parts of this movie that have the least indiana jonesness to it are the most awkward are the most uncomfortable i would say and everything in between there i love like i think is is perfect indiana jones i'm being honest and it's just kind of a bummer that that there's so much and and you know I will include that vine swinging scene but the beginning and the end just kind of mucks up the memory of something really good we could have in the middle. I think that's a great point because that's that's really how you start off a movie and the feeling that you get that you're going to carry with you throughout most of that movie starts from that beginning and then when you're walking to your car assuming you go to see it in theaters the the ending of the movie is kind of your initial gut like if the movie ends poorly or has something just really, I don't know, wonky about it. Like that's going to, that's going to be your, your predominant emotion. You know, you think about this opening, there's, you know, they've got the, the object you're looking for is magnetic and, and somehow only gunpowder is going to work. Like, Oh, the magnetism rules are, yeah, are pathetic. They're horrible. You're literally covered in metal and it's only gunpowder. That's actually going to work. That's dumb. And can we just uh, like, did I miss something? Why exactly was a professor of archeology span involved in the examination of an alien being like, what what exact area of expertise does he have on that specific thing? Like, why was he involved in that? Why why is that something that he would have been in? Like, I that just it makes no sense. Unless there's something that you guys saw that I missed. Um, the, then there's these other parts where like there's a gun that hits the ground and just automatically goes off. Guns don't do that. Like they're specifically made not to do that. It just his whole escape is just implausible, even by the standards of this series. And I think it really sets a bad tone that just kind of stuck with you as, as you go through it. Then he's got a line. He says like, don't wait for me. They're the bad guys. Like this line is terrible. And then the fridge, like the fridge. All right. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to get my fridge thoughts out of the way. 
he would have been an Indiana Jones frappe on the inside of that thing. Like there would have been like not his bones would have been pulverized. There would have been you would have been burying him in Ziploc baggies. Like there would have been nothing <laughs> left of him. And he rolls out and he looks at these CG like prairie dogs or gophers or whatever they are. And they look terrible. It's like, can we bring back the animatronic animals that we had in the original trilogy? Like, can we can we have those back, please? Yeah, it's you know that's the thing is you know you start the movie i i've stated this so i'm not going to say this part again but to have him just kind of roll out of that and be like oh yeah i'm good i'm not sore i'm not bruised it was like oh so he's a cyborg he like wait like (laughs) when did this like when did this happen um and, and yeah, it's it, it's a really hard scene, but Rob, I agree with you. Unless I miss something too, part of this movie where I was I was a little baffled was like, wait, why would he have anything to do with that? Like, it, it's almost like there were more adventures that happened in between these time frames that I was like, yeah, I don't understand why. Like, there's just certain things about how people view him that I'm like. Why would he be a part of this? And if he was a part of these things, I I don't think they'd still let him be a teacher just talking to regular kids. Like, I feel like they say, yeah, no, you don't have a normal job because we don't want you around the general public with everything that you know. I mean, even even if he is involved, okay, let's just take it that he's involved, which I agree doesn't make sense. But let's just say that he is. Why of all people to get you to find the body, why him? Like, he hardly knows anything about it. Um, all he knows is it's magnetic. That's that's the only information he has. Why do the Russians go after him to get their prize? Like, like go after any other number of people. And maybe it's because of his friend. I, I forget the guy's name. Who's the Mac. the... Mac. Yeah, maybe it's because of his connection to Mac. I don't know. But it, it just is is loose, and it's it's wh- why and and on a separate note, just on the fridge because I think that the fridge is a glaring issue. Um, I like the idea of him having to escape a bomb test, like like that part's fun when he's in Nuketown, in essence, and like tr- hiding with these dummies, like like that fits in Indiana Jones. But the second he climbs in the fridge, it's like okay. You launch him like a bottle rocket and expect him to just roll out. And and so it's just weird that that you get things that feel very Indiana Jones that are connected to something that is just absolutely not. Like, it feels very Indiana Jones for him to be captured by the Russians to help them find an old project that he was involved in for something that they want. Like, if you're bringing out a character who's been going on however many adventures he's been on in the years we've missed him, Sure, get him involved by having him captured to bring about something from the past. That makes sense with Indiana Jones. But to be it, this thing doesn't make sense with Indiana Jones. And it's just, it's weird decisions that feel very awkward for what we know is Indiana Jones, which is rather a shame because this is, I'll keep saying this, is a good Indiana Jones movie. As, As another example, and this is kind of just a tangent, but I just want to mention this. The opening of the movie, despite the dumb, long-chasing car scene, 
has the look and vibe and feel, particularly the look of an Indiana Jones movie. Like it just starts and you're like, okay, visually, I'm watching an Indiana Jones movie. And you can tell. And then out of nowhere, it does this harsh cut when the colonel like ducks to tie his shoe and then the guards are behind him and they shoot the people, which is kind of a fun shot. It cuts to the worst green screen you've ever seen in your life. And you just get this harsh juxtaposition of something that feels very Indiana Jones, something that feels very comfortable for the series to something that just feels awkward and out of place and immediately draws your connection or, or draws your attention to the difference that it is from what you associate with Indiana Jones. And it's just, that's a visual explanation of it, but it's the fridge is an example. The connection to the aliens is an example. And it's just so much Indiana Jones connected to something that isn't. And it, and it, it's like water and oil. It just, you you can feel the disconnection. Yeah, I, I one other thing with that opening scene. Why is that one vehicle still there? Were they like not told that they were about to test a nuclear bomb? Like, why is that one vehicle still there? Did I miss something? Can either of you guys fill me in on that? Oh, that the two yeah. Russians get in. Yeah. Why does it have gas in it? Like, okay, maybe they have the vehicle there to do the testing on. See what? But why is it working? <laughs> You know, my only thought was like maybe they had to drive it out there, and they just there was some gas left over. I don't hey, know. Rob, did you like? Did I miss something there? Like, why would those guys have been caught in that? Um, the only thing you missed would have been getting bludgeoned in the head to make any of this open. Yeah, make sense. all right, fair, fair <laughs> enough. Um, so, so, and I just want to I want to get this part out of the way for me personally. Um, you know, one of the things that this movie does that every movie does, especially during that opening, and there's some parts of it that I like when he starts to, um, you know, try to make his escape. But how in the hell can somebody with a whip get away from 30 people with guns? Because they all wait for him to, you know, to crack his whip and you know, lasso it around the gun to pull it out of his hands. And I'm like, oh, my God, you'd be dead. Um, but there's some things I like about it. And, you know, I like the scene where he tries to, you know, he tries to swing to the one Jeep and he misses it and crashes through the other one. Um, like, I actually found that kind of funny. But then, like, at the same time, the guys just sit there and stare at him, like, bewildered. And maybe you would, like, what an idiot. But I'm like, you could have just shot him right there. Like, but they just stand there and stare at him for a second. Like, I, I, so there's, there's good and bad in that opening scene. Um, but the, the thing with the whip, it just drives me insane. And then, I mean, in this scene where they're chasing them through the jungle and, you know, forget the, the vine swinging and, move over stormtroopers because these henchmen have taken the crown for the worst aim in movie history. How, how, when they're right next to them, did nobody get hit by bullets? Like you would at least get hit by a stray bullet in that scenario. And then when they're driving towards the edge of the cliff, that right there too, is just, like those parts of that scene, I'm like, wow, I forgot how bad these are because I always focus on the vine swinging. But how any of them are not hit by bullets during that chase is 
it's when you do things like that, it's like, why do you even put that in there? Because it just, none of it makes sense. There's no way that they wouldn't have been hit by bullets. There's a lot and of stormtrooper aim throughout this series, but you know, Matt, you hit it right on the head. It's at its worst in this film. And that I think makes some of the big set piece action moments, not as much fun because you don't believe the danger is real because it, it's obviously well, because it goes on too long that, too. It's not like, okay, they, they oh, yeah. drove by him once shot. Like, okay, no, it's it. That, that whole scene is just so long that it's okay. You missed once you missed twice. You missed three. Okay. Your purpose, like you guys are double agents. Cause you're purposely trying not to hit them. Like you, you actually yeah. secretly hate the fact that you're part of the Nazis you're, you're, you're begging like, Hey, take us with you. We want to get out of this environment. We're purposely not shooting you help us. Yeah. It's, it's pretty bad at different points. I think temple of doom, there's some really bad moments of that, but this one, it really stands out. It's some of the worst stormtrooper aim of the series. And, and again, it just, it really kills the immersion because you remember that you're watching a movie because it's so ridiculous that these things happen. You know, you mentioned like they're just kind of standing around waiting to get their asses kicked. I almost want to hand them some red armor and and put them in the throne room of the last Jedi. They're just literally waiting for Indy to hit them with the bullwhip or punch them in the face or kick them or or whatever he's going to do. Some of the worst henches of all time. Like literally these are, these are really low quality henches. Is it any wonder the Soviet union collapsed? If this was their best and brightest that they're sending on a secret mission, literally behind enemy lines that if they were to get caught or captured or killed would probably start a nuclear war between two major powers. And this is who they send guys who can't even shoot straight. It's, it's pretty bad. I mean, the action scenes in this series are often incredibly far-fetched, but at least they are plausible, albeit incredibly unlikely the only real exception in the original trilogy that I can think of is when they, they fall out of the plane and the raft, the inflatable raft, <laughs> the Temple of Doom. That's the only thing that absolutely could not happen, could not work at all under any circumstances. Everything else is just incredibly unlikely, but plausible, incredibly unlikely. This movie has way more of these action scenes that are not just implausible, they're actually impossible. And and for me, it kills the immersion. It kills some of the fun because, you know, it's Indy just always has this crazy good luck in his just his charm, and he's always like right in the thick of it, and he can't believe that he lives through most of this. And and it's fun. But when when the the bad guys are so bad at being bad guys. When, when the physics of the movie just get turned off, you know, at times it, it kills the immersion for me and it takes, it takes the fun away and it really, I don't know, it, it makes it less of a movie than, than the other entries in this series. And if, if your movie is a premise of action and adventure, you need a sense of adventure and that goes away when you just are con- constantly reminded, oh yeah, this is our main character, so we're not going to hurt him and he's not going to die. Um, you, you got, like, you can't present risk and not follow through on it or else you lose your audience. And, and, uh, it, it's a bummer because, again, this is such good Indiana Jones at times, but then there's other times where I look at it and I just think, like basic filmmaking skills what happened 
why why is these these basic components of what makes up a good movie and good stories missing? It's Steven right. Spielberg. I was just gonna say that. Like, and it's it's Spielberg. <laughs> the last yeah, like it's Spielberg back. behind it, and it go it like I, I find my I found myself like actually looking that up really quick and being like, do I remember this wrong? Like, did this get passed off to somebody else? Like, he's he's better than this in certain air in in most areas. How like how did some of this happen? But sorry, Harrison, I didn't mean to cut you off. But yeah, I was I found myself saying that like, wait, this is Spielberg. Yeah, it, uh, it it's disappointing because again, I'm gonna keep saying this. There's parts of this where I just am having so much fun, and I just think, man, what a miss. What what, what a I mean, I would be okay. And this is this is how when I kind of tease that my feelings change dr- dramatically or drastically, I would be okay just accepting that, that this entire movie was just a bummer, that it was just completely not Indiana Jones and then it wasn't good. But to have goodness and potential peppered in makes all this negativity so much harder to accept because it's like I can see what good there is and it's just sadly missed yeah um and uh, again because i i got enjoyment out of this movie uh, there's i i think the performances are good i actually think um contrary to what i first thought that harrison ford and shia labeouf have good on-screen chemistry i did like when he realizes that marion is mutt's mom and then you know just he changes his tune on school once he finds out Mutz is, you know, oh, once hilarious. he finds out he's his son. I really like John Hurt's performance as, as Harold Oxley. I, I thought those were good performances. And, you know, I I found myself going and I we just, you know, we talked about Transformers. I had recently rewatched Transformers 1 not too long ago before Rise of the Beast. Um you know, and I sat there and I said to myself, you know, it, it's kind of a shame what happened with Shia LaBeouf because he's got charisma. Now, do I think he has some problems in this movie? Yes. Uh, some of that could be dialogue or, you know, whatever the case may be. But, you know, going back and watching him in those Transformers movies and watching him in this, um, he's he's got a charm to him. He really does. And He's a lot better. I I will say a lot better in this movie than I remember him, but mostly because I just remembered him from that swinging vine scene. And I was like, well, he sucks the whole movie. Um, but that wasn't the case. I, I like him in this. Um, I, I like Harrison Ford in this. I, again, you know, just from my own memory, I felt um, – very strongly that he just kind of phoned this performance in the first two times I saw this. I, I definitely don't feel that way now. Um, we've mentioned how it feels like he's more relate like himself. He relates more to this character than Han Solo. Um, but yeah, I felt like he had phoned it in when I first saw this, but I, I think he gives a very strong performance again. He's very charming. He's very charismatic. Um, the screen, the the chemistry with Marion on screen, I thought worked very well, um, but yeah, I, I I think there's there is fun to be had with this movie, and it is a shame because you do you sit there and you see those those pieces where you know you go, 
okay, I know it leads to the refrigerator scene, but have the movie start with him getting out of the car and picking up his fedora. Like, have the movie start there. Fine, he's captured. And it kind of starts into an adventure. You have, you know, the the CIA, I believe, you know, questioning him afterwards. And yes, there's still that ridiculous refrigerator scene, but have the movie start there. It, it It's tightened up. Have that jungle chase scene be cut by prop honestly probably five minutes for god's sakes maybe, maybe not maybe it just feels longer um you know have that cut by like five minutes and all of a sudden you know you can you can kind of forget about those things because rob we've talked about this before the longer that scene goes on the more you just go okay well this just happened this just happened and this just happened what I'm just totally out of the immersion of what's what this scene is supposed to be, because at this point it's just borderline ridiculous. Um, but you take a, you know, a minute or two out of there and you, it's not as bad. I think I might have a little bit harsher of an opinion than that. I think there's, I think it's more than just a minute here. Yeah, it, it's, there. it's definitely more um, than that, but it, 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 you at least, tr- you would trim. There's you bones trim. here. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think some trimming, this isn't something where wholesale, this whole concept is terrible. And I think when, when people realized that this was going to involve aliens, you know, either like if you knew anything about the Mitchell Hedges skull prior to this, which, okay. So by the way, the Mitchell Hedges skull, by the time this film was conceived, written and shot, the crystal skulls had already been completely debunked for like a while, like multiple years. Like they were even virtually never really regarded as genuine, even at the time of their quote unquote discovery and the shape of the, the, they actually referenced the Mitchell Hedges skull a couple of times in this. The shape of that one is actually based on a female with European features that Mesoamericans really wouldn't have had access to reference. So there's, there's never been a reason that anybody's ever thought like legitimately thought, except for that crazy guy with the wild hair on ancient aliens on the history channel, that these things were like legitimate artifacts. They've pretty much always been (laughs) like, yeah, these are, these are not real. And, and so they already kind of knew that going into it. They had to have known it if they'd done any research and I, and I don't think that this is a movie where every decision they made was made wrong, but I feel like, I feel like there was a lot of hubris made with some of the decisions here. Like, Oh, it's Indiana Jones. People love this character. We can just kind of do whatever we want. And as long as we give them, you know, that great score and, and whip, you know, whip cracking and Indy punching bad guys. And he's got the hat and, you know, Harrison Ford's got that ha- that great half smile that everybody loves him for. As long as we give them that, then then they'll be fine. And it's like, no, like you you really needed somebody to stop you on some of these things, like like whole stop on some of these decisions. Um, I, I wouldn't I, initially. I felt like it was outright contempt for the fan base, but I don't feel that strongly about it right now. I just really feel like there was some times, you know, they set things up, and it's just like actually no like don't do that at all like mm-hmm. like don't go over three waterfalls and they're completely unharmed like obviously you know the less said about the fridge the better we've we've said enough about it but there's just so many of these decisions that it's they're only based on arrogance i think that they allowed some of this to to happen without trying to do anything to make it work 
Yeah, but and it's weird because how can I say this the right way? You say the idea like, oh, maybe let's have Indiana be in a little whatever they're called ducky that's a car that's a boat and they eventually drive off into a waterfall and kind of in a humorous way they go over a few waterfalls like that idea in my head I'm like oh yeah that could work in an Indiana Jones film and it and so I I can see what led them to go that direction but for some reason it just doesn't work and I and I think that maybe my enjoyment of this film makes it want to work more than it does than Rob does, which is totally fine. So I'm, I might be a little bit more compassionate, for lack of a better word, to it. Uh, but it, it, it's a bummer that it, it, it just doesn't it doesn't always work because there are moments just focusing on the waterfall scene that before that, even with the really bad CGI, sans monkey swinging. Okay, we're just done with that. <laughs> the the car chase is really fun and and the sword fight between mutt and whatever her name is i thought that was fun and the constant chaos and the the double agent switch and and the driving like i i think that that is really really fun and it feels very much like an indiana jones car chase and i i was enjoying it the whole time like even though the cgi and some of it was super bad i was willing to forgive it at least in that scene because i was having fun the way that I like to and the way that I expect to Indiana, in an Indiana Jones movie. And even like the idea that that I remember, I didn't remember the three waterfalls, but I did remember, I had a small memory that that car eventually ended up in the water. And I was like excited to see where it went from there. Like I, I was enjoying what was happening and where it was going. And then it just kind of stumbles a little bit with something that just doesn't totally mesh and totally fit. And, and you get enough stumbles and you eventually fall. And it, it but like that was so good Indiana Jones so so where I mean I I really am curious where was the disconnect because there's some moments I'm like yes clearly you are the individual you are the people who made Indiana Jones what it is good job you're doing it again a few minutes later now you're not what's happening yeah there's multiple places where this happens. I mean, going back a few scenes before that, when uh, when Indy and Mutt first meet, there's that scene in the coffee shop and. Um, it ends up with the you know the bikers and varsity jacket dudes and having this brawl, which is terrible and it's lame and it and it really makes no sense the way that it happens and they just kind of duck out like they could have done something so much more Indiana Jonesy I guess to to make that scene work and that make that distraction work for them to get out of there like it just I I, I thought that was just kind of terrible and I f- sort of feel bad saying this because my buddy Darren is actually in that scene he's he's one of the the college preppy guys oh um, cool that was in uh, the stunt unit for that and i so i kind of feel bad saying that seems terrible um so darren if you're listening sorry bud um but then you immediately follow that up with the scene where he's jumping on and off the bike that's classic indie action fun love it but it's set up with kind of a crap scene before it yeah i think a you know some of this you know harrison you said where's the disconnect and it's you know i mean part of this story was written by George Lucas and it's been well known for years. He doesn't (laughs) write good dialogue. Um, Everybody close to him on the project said to not make Anakin Skywalker a child in episode one. Um, I've mentioned this before. You can go on YouTube and find videos of it where they're like in meetings and they're like, George, do not do this. Like, like, don't like literally people that 
you know, he should be listening to because he pays them to do these things. And they're like, don't do this. Do not make him a child. It's going to backfire. Yeah. All right. You know, he does it. Um, And I, I think that's part of, you know, where the problem is here is, yeah, he's he's created some of the most well, not some he's created the most iconic property in the history of of media. Um, but he he stumbles and far be it for me because I've, you know, never created anything close to that, for God's sakes. But uh, that's just, you know, it's to me, a common the common denominator is is George Lucas. And, you know, sometimes he's just he's not kept in check. And I think that's where some of this movie falters is it's it's George Lucas unfiltered. Because he wrote this mm. and like Spielberg has to direct it, but he has to direct what Lucas wrote. I, yeah. I can absolutely see where you're going with that. So that's, that's my thought on that. But, um, you know, I, I do like Rob, you, you kind of said, um, and Harrison, I think you said it as well, but I, I want to get your opinion a little bit further on it. I don't actually have as big a problem with the ending as, as what it seems like. I don't think it comes completely out of nowhere. I mean, I didn't expect them to completely show what they showed and granted it looks really bad. Um, but aside from it looking terrible, um, I wasn't actually surprised. Like I wasn't completely shocked by it and didn't feel it completely came out of nowhere. Um, but Rob, I'll let you go first. I, yeah, I, I guess I, unless I'm reading or hearing what you guys originally said wrong. Uh, I, I didn't think it was, out of nowhere, the ending. It's not out of nowhere. So I guess that was one of the things about this movie that people didn't like was the fact that it was aliens. I think that was something that just sat wrong with a lot of people. Um, you know, I think, I think they were more into some of the more mythological, um, you know, the, the, the artifacts that were based on human history um, and human religions and, and those kinds of things, as opposed to aliens, which I, you know, time passed, you know, with the, the go, going past when this released and you just kind of look at it for what it is. Like, I, it doesn't bother me that they decided to do aliens. Like, that's fine. Like I, it's, it's okay. Like, you know, certainly if you look into what would have been happening around that period of time, um, you know, the, Ever since we started testing nuclear bombs, the sightings of UFOs have been off the charts. Um, <laughs> the idea that a lot of people have put forth is that if there is intelligent life elsewhere in the universe, when a bunch of kind of dumb apes start setting off nuclear bombs, it could literally wipe their own planet out over and over again. Maybe it's a good idea to kind of check in on them and see what's going on there. Um, so, you know, those things kind of go hand in hand. So it makes sense, right? Like if you want to do aliens go ahead and do aliens. It's, it's not really that much crazier than, you know, the Ark of the covenant melting guys faces off. Like how much crazier is it really than that? So I think initially the, the reaction most audience members had was, Oh, aliens get this the hell out of here. In retrospect, it's not really that crazy. Although you get, you get to that final room where all the, the crystal object, you know, the crystal skeletons are, and they, they place the head back on there and, 
and they they kind of like spin a little bit and they vibrate all into mm, one yeah. bean and then the bean grows skin and muscle and it's like okay this is stupid like wh- why like okay it's extraterrestrial fine i don't understand their technology but it just doesn't it doesn't feel based on anything it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like there's a reference point for us to understand that this is real and and i think that's a large part of why i had problems with it uh, and you get kate blanchett's character kind of somehow looking at a whole bunch of these quartz crystals and just sort of knowing a whole bunch of things about them, like just magically. Um, and I guess somehow, so this gray alien just all of a sudden recognizes her and goes, Oh, she's a commie takes a quick sniff of her and goes, yep, she's the bad guy. I'm going to make her head blow up. Like it doesn't make sense why that happens. Um, there's a lot there that I think the ending is, is pretty weak and certainly, the the digital shots are are bad and and look the, some of the face melting stuff that we saw that was done practically in in earlier indie films like they're not they're not perfect like we recognize them for what they are but for whatever reason I think we hold bad CG to a different standard than bad practical effects um, which I guess I would just prefer bad practical effects over bad CG but man the bad CG in this is is bad so I I think that that finale is pretty weak overall. And, and again, you start, you start the movie bad. You have some great adventure moments in the middle. You end it bad with, with a bad taste in your mouth. And it's hard for people to remember this movie. Well, yeah, I mean, this is one thing that I keep going back and forth on because everything leading up to that, like the, the, the hike, so to speak through the Mayan temple looks great. I mean, and we've kind of been getting at that it's aliens. And also, I've seen the movie before, so I know it's aliens. So I I was going into it knowing what the ending was and knowing that a giant, literally saucer, takes off from underneath the ground and flies away at the end of the movie. And that's how it ends. Like, I knew that going in. And so not having the shock of that, because I think that it is shocking. Like, Like, it is so... Um... Let me say it this way. Our feelings about Indiana's with something that's fantastical, like the Ark of the Covenant or the Temple of Doom, is very different than a full-blown UFO. Like, that just feels very different. So knowing that and and that shock value, so to speak, which I don't think is what it was intended, but it is shocking. That shock being gone, it still doesn't fit perfectly, but it's not as bad as I thought. I think the, the UFO taking off is the worst part. I like, sure, have them fly away. I don't know. There's just something about that that makes it uh, like that just puts it into the camp of this doesn't work. Because even the part where all the aliens kind of start to spin together and Kate Blanchett characters keep saying, I want to know, which my brother and I quote all the time. Um, like I can accept that. And, and even a little bit, it kind of works that this new power that these people are going after is like an intellectual mental type power like sure give it to me that is indiana jones and it it, i really am totally okay with it and i actually think that the practical effects of the actual crystal skull and the aliens looks pretty amazing and that little room they're in looks really cool it's all working good for me even the spinning where they all kind of combine together works for me but the second we get to like the actual ufo i'm like okay there's something about this that is too much but I've sat here and thought, I don't know how I would change it. I don't know if I would have them stay on Earth or or 
take off in a different way or a wormhole opens or something like I, I don't know how to change it but when it when it gets to that ufo it 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 is it's too much to accept uh completely and i but i but i don't know how to change it and it's really kind of that one moment because i'm being redundant here but it it, it works previous to that i think those are all very very fair points rob you uh you have a question for us here yeah. So you get to the end of this movie and and I, I got to say, you know, yes, the climax doesn't work for me. Um, but the actual ending of the movie is Indy and uh, and Marion and they're they're getting married. And honestly, to me, like I kind of leave with a good feeling because it's like I'm happy for Indy to see him happy. But there's there's kind of this moment where his hat blows into the church and, and Shia LaBeouf's character Mutt picks it up and, you know, considers it for a second before Indy takes it back from him. And it was kind of almost implied. And, and I think there were maybe feelers around about whether or not Mutt's character could carry on the mantle. And I, I guess the question I have for the two of you, and I, and I think this is could be interesting to think about, could Shia LaBeouf have spun off from this his own movie? in the indie series and you think about what he had just come off of transformers was before this disturbia was before this and then you get revenge of the fallen wall street 2 uh dark of the moon that's all 2009 2010 2011 so if they were thinking about putting something in development if they already had something maybe in development i mean he was he was a bankable star at this period of time I kind of wonder if Mutt's character was was better regarded because I don't think people largely like his character from this. Um, if you look at some of what you can find out there, uh, you know, not that he did anything wrong. With that. I just don't think people liked his character, per se. If this movie was better regarded, if there was demand for more indie, would Shia's character have been able to carry the series? You know, I, I think that's a good question. Again, I I think he does have some acting chops. I I think he does have a screen presence. I, I think that would have been very tricky. Um, I, I think you would have had to have maybe done something like a Last Crusade kind of thing, where Harrison Ford was still there, but he was a ba- he mm. was a, a back burner character, so to speak. I I don't know that right off the bat you could have Mutt's character kind of just take over the mantle, so to speak, or even be in some sort of, you know, spinoff, maybe, you know, maybe a, a prequel where they show him and him and Oxley um, and some of their adventures. But I, I think you would have had to have been very careful because, yeah, I think people would have been very upset that he completely took over the mantle. If, if that's what something that they were going to do. I could have accepted it, and maybe that's just because I really like Shia LaBeouf. Um, but I, they would have had to, to, you know, don't call it Indiana Jones. Do, do something, call it Mutt Jones. I don't know. Like, like take the genre, take the format, take the, the elements of it, and, and let that carry on with a new character. I could accept that with Mutt being Indiana's son. I think Shia would have done a pretty good job. I, I also would have liked to see his acting in that type of role and how his creative input might have changed that character. Um, as far as why it didn't happen, I don't know if it was because people 
didn't like him, but I also think it's because he totally burned the bridge with Steven Spielberg. I don't know if you guys know this, but uh, a little while after the movie came out, he he uh, had some negative things to say about it. He he didn't like it, and um, both Harrison Ford and Steven Spielberg kind of ripped into him, uh, both to him personally and publicly, saying that that his comments about it were uh, unacceptable, inappropriate, maybe is a better word, unprofessional. That's a good word, or unprofessional, uh, and uh, t- totally ruined his relationship with Steven Spielberg, which was actually pretty good previous to that because, um, yeah. So anyway, kind of ruined his relationship there, and I, I think that I think that was you know, if if they were kind of divided, I think that was a tipping point. Yeah, no, I I think uh, that they I'd forgotten about that until you had just mentioned it. That yeah, they were, you know, they were both pretty unhappy with his comments. Yeah, I think I'm trying to find it here, but um, what did, what did Harrison Ford say? Um, no, it's Steven Spielberg. This is what he said. Uh, so Shia LaBeouf kind of reporting about what Steven Spielberg said to him after he, he kind of complained about it. Um, uh, this is what Steven Spiel- according to Shia LaBeouf this is what Steven Spielberg he said he told me there's a time to be a human being and have an opinion and there's a time to sell cars <laughs> so uh, he, he didn't do a good enough job selling the movie I guess and he lost his relationship with him yeah um, yeah it was it was kind of weird it, you know I, it was also I think just right into that part where he was kind of going through all of his uh, you know his his personal problems and you know, who knows? Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I mean, Harrison Ford called him an effing idiot, so he was a little bit harsher. Um, <laughs> yeah, he was. Yeah, right. That's but, a little more direct. Um, yeah, I, I mean, which is a shame because again, I think you know they had good chemistry on set. So whether it was you know everything happened kind of after the movie had wrapped filming, um, I, I thought they worked well together on set. But uh, Rob or Harrison, any other final thoughts that you had before we're going to reveal the rotten and our ratings for this? I, I just have to say that I really en- enjoyed it. I think that it had all the elements of Indiana Jones that I love, but it just suddenly had too many other elements that didn't work. But I just want to mention the things that worked again because I it's not just like, Oh, they were all right. Like they were actually really good Indiana Jones to me, and and it, that what makes the negative parts even more negative because it's you get that juxtaposition of great Indiana Jones and bad. And I just, I mean, this the scene where the car chase in the jungle with the tank, the constant escapes they have, the the conversations and charisma between Harrison Ford. And Shia LaBeouf and those two characters, I thought are really fun together. The way Marion gets involved, the way Indiana's attitude totally changed when he realizes Mutt is his son. The, um, I think the character of Oz is really fun. The the spy for the Russian who says he's Mac, who's a double spy and then a triple spy, but not really. I, I think that's all really fun. The chase through the university on Mutt's motorcycle, like that's just classic Indiana. And then you get all like the the sleuthing grave robbing archaeology if you want to call it that where they're doing puzzles and 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 decoding things and and going to different places like it it's it really is great indiana jones 
and I think it's super fun and I really, really enjoy it. And I, I would, I would be disappointed in myself if I didn't express how much I really liked them because I liked it a lot. I, I was having a lot of fun and I think then in those good moments, I was having more fun than I had with all the other previous Indiana Jones movies, excluding The Last Crusade. So I guess just the previous two, Raiders of the Lost Ark and Temple of Dune. When when Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is working, I'm having more fun than I do at any point in those two films. Sadly, it just dips significantly lower than all those too frequently. Uh, and it's just really disappointing because it, it has the potential. I'll even take the aliens. You know, I I'm I can accept that the other parts are the worst. Yeah, I, I think there's some really some really good stuff there. Rob, any you know kind of final thoughts like that? Um, you know, a lot of what Harrison said, I definitely am on board with. I think, um, I think there's parts of this. Like, I think I I I see everything he says. I think I kind of dip a little my lows mm-hmm. are probably a lot lower than, than where his are, which kind of pulls the highs down a bit too. Um, I didn't get a chance to mention earlier, but there's the scene in the camp with the psychic skull and that whole scene just sucks. You know, there's, there's things like that that happen. They get stuck in the quicksand and there's a lot of fun there. There's a lot of that great banter, that back and forth that you get with Indy when he's in trouble. Like, you know, like what I'm thinking about in temple of doom when he's looking through the tunnel and he's like, saying to Willie, we mm-hmm. are going to die. You know, like those <laughs> moments are always fun. And then you're reminded, like they just kind of like pissed off in the middle of the camp and like ran into the jungle. <laughs> like, and somehow again, these henches are the worst in the world. They're having a full on yelling match 30 feet from the camp. And we're supposed to just believe that the Soviets just couldn't find them. Like there's, there's those kinds of moments that just suck and don't make sense and don't add up from a logical standpoint that kind of, you know, throws a little water on the fire that is the fun of, of India. Yeah, I, I think good points. So let's get into popcorn time. I will go first. Um, I fully expected to give this movie a half bucket when my initial thought was, okay, I'm going to watch this again. I, I really could not stand this movie. Um like remembering, okay, I'm going to watch this again. It was, I can't stand this movie. It's going to be a half bucket. It's going to be really hard to get through. I'm, I'm not even going to want to get through it. Um, but then I turned this on. I got through that first part and I went, huh? I definitely not remembering this the same. Um, and I actually wanted to sit down and watch this. Um, and, and I did, this wasn't something where I was like, Oh, I've got other things going on and I'm, I'm casually paying attention. I I wanted to sit down and actually give this a proper rewatch. And I I was glad I did. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of issues with this movie, but I do agree with Harrison's statement where there's a lot of parts in this for me, where the fun is more in line with what I'm looking for than the first three movies. And I like the first three movies a lot. Uh, which is why it's you know disappointing in the regard of of Kingdom of the Crystal Skull because yeah you go to the outside and it's like oh my god like this house is going to be amazing and then you have to completely gut it um, and, and part of me feels that way about some of the things in this movie where it, the the structures there the foundations there for sure and I this there's a lot of potential there for me to say boy, this really with, with a little bit of tightening up on the pacing, um, 
and a, a couple of quick touches here and there. Uh, I, I think this could have been very much in the running for the best Indiana Jones movie. I, I, I believe in it that much with some of the things that they did. Uh, unfortunately, it, it falls. But again, it, it was a much more enjoyable experience than I remember having with this movie. I'm glad I rewatched it. Um, but I actually do for everything that I like about this. I actually do give this three buckets. So that's where I stand. So, Rob, you'd be up. Yeah, so my opinion of this has improved since my original watch. Um, After seeing it the first time, other than to kind of, you know, just remind myself of what had happened before I went and saw Dial of Destiny, I couldn't really foresee a reason that I would watch it again. And as I sit here, you know, we're recording this in, in early July of 2023, I now believe that I will likely rewatch this movie again in the future. I don't know when, I don't know the reason why, but would I rewatch this movie in the future? Yes, I would. And I wouldn't have necessarily said that about this six months ago, a year ago, two years ago. Uh, I wouldn't have really thought of a reason why I would want to, um, unless it's just going to be like, all right, I'm going to sit here and just make fun of this the whole time. Um, So yeah, for, for all of the things um, that we've kind of already said, I, I, I stand by all of that. I think it's more than just a few tweaks to fix this movie. The bones are there. And Matt, I actually agree with you that this could have actually been the best of the series to that point. There is enough there that this could have been that I think it needed a lot more work to get there, which is why I am at 1.75 buckets of popcorn, which is at least one whole extra bucket more than I thought I was going to give it when we first talked about doing this. He has acknowledged <laughs> the existence of it. That's an achievement. Yes. I, I now acknowledge the existence of it, which I previously did not. Very cool. Harrison, you're our last. Um, I, I think we're going to show that Rob was the rotten, but uh, it, it's always nice to know that there was actually some enjoyment there. Cause you know, sometimes when it's like I, you don't like the movie to the extent that I think we all thought, well, at least Rob and I, um, sometimes there's no fun in that. Um, and it, there, there's no fun in this where it's like, I look, I don't know what to do. Like, I'm not just going to keep kicking somebody when they're down. But uh, Harrison, will Rob still be the rotten? Uh, yes, he will be. And I will be the ripe, so to speak. Because I am giving this three and a half buckets, which, if my memory serves me right, is the same thing I gave the Temple of Doom. I think it really was a lot of fun. And I'm a forgiving person. And so I forgive the bad because I was impressed with how much I enjoyed this. That it would be a lie to say I might prefer this over every other Indiana Jones movie minus the last crusade. And if I had to rewatch the Indiana Jones movie, I'd be re I'd be willing to watch this one uh, sooner than the others. And maybe that's because this one I have new fondness of, and that new fondness is fun to return to. It's good fun. I also have a soft spot for Shia LaBeouf. So that helps, but I, I like was surprised continually how much fun I was having. And while I was bothered, how, quickly or willingly i was i was able to give up 
the resentment or frustration I had in the disappointment that came. Um, not that I, not that it wasn't disappointing. It was, but it was just easy for me to be like, okay, it's disappointing. This sadly has low moments. All right, let me move on from that and just enjoy the fun I'm having. That was fairly easy to do because I was having so much fun. So three and a half stars or buckets, three and a half buckets. Very cool. Um, I think, uh, again, all of us uh, a little bit surprised by the outcome. I know I certainly, not of who's the rotten, but just in rewatching this movie. Um, now, Harrison, I do know that you had said you were working on it. Did, were you able to redo your showtime for Dial of Destiny? I did. Actually, as a matter of fact, uh, I got home from Dial of Destiny and ah, sat down and recorded oh. this episode. So I have seen it within the there last you go. two well, hours. Well, that episode will be coming very, very soon. I'm certainly... Um, I've been eagerly anticipating hearing from you two because I saw this a pretty significant chunk of time before the two of you did. Um, so I've just been sitting and sitting on my thoughts. And I know certainly I had thoughts that differed from Rob based on what I saw. He, I, Rob, I believe on social media, you had written, um, when somebody had posed a question to you, what you thought of it. So, um, I know we have at least some varying opinions on this new one. Hmm. Um, I wish I would have the opportunity to actually sit down and watch it again. Uh, and, and kind of with, with the ability to right. take notes, it's, it's tough to do in a theater. Um, so I, I wish I had the ability to do that, but um, yes, I, without tipping my hand uh, listeners, you will just have to wait for that episode to come out. If you want to hear our actual thoughts on the film, uh, but I, I will definitely say this. I'm, I'm very excited to talk to the two yeah. of you. Uh, that so film. that will come very soon. So Harrison, before we sign off though, it's, it's been a while um, since at least I've posted anything on here uh, just with work and some other stuff going on, just getting some things done. It's been 30 days since we've, we've posted an episode. So anybody who's listening to this episode, maybe this is the first one um, that they've ever listened to. Um and again, uh, thank you, listeners. Uh, if this is the first episode you're listening to, it means you're messed up just like us. Because, well, no, I should I shouldn't say that anymore. Because before <laughs> I'd be like, who the hell wants to watch this movie? But uh, my thoughts have changed. <laughs> um, but let them know about the basement binge. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, the Basin Binge is a movie review podcast very similar to Matt Goes to the Movies uh, in the way we talk about movies, but also very similar that it's been about a month since I've released everything because I've been so busy with a new job and so many other things. I was hoping that I was going to be able to, re- to record episodes on the Mission Impossible series, but I am seeing that new Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 on Monday or Tuesday. Uh, there's not enough time to review six movies before that and do them justice because those are my some some of my favorites so at least at the base and binge what you can look forward to is some reviews on the new mission impossible film barbie oppenheimer those new films and theaters and then after that finally getting back to animation hall of fame i, I keep saying that but it, it is actually going to happen i will be out of school near the end of july and my life will get less busy and i will finally have more time to review movies so you know, bear with me here, but the base and binge wherever you get podcasts. We talk about movies. It's fun. That's awesome. You're getting a jump start on Animation Hall of Fame for 2024. 
<laughs> Seriously, I might even need to get a digital star in twenty twenty five. What a, a, a go getter! Getting to it five sleep, months. Early. Sleeper hit of of the year, Barbie. Um, <laughs> I, I think that movie's going to do really well just because it's so different. Um, and with I, I, I sent yeah. you guys the link. I don't know if you had time to to actually watch it, but there is a really good video. Uh, what I thought in the opinion on why, you know, blockbusters are failing at the box office. And it, I, I thought it was pretty insightful and I thought a lot of it was spot on. Um, but it does make me think that something like Barbie, just for everybody involved, um, and, and maybe I'm going to be 100% wrong on this, but I, I feel like that's going to surprise some people with its box office. Um because it's just it's so different than what we have right now. But um, Rob, uh, go ahead, recap our show and how listeners get in touch with us. So if you have enjoyed this episode or if you would like to uh, write in and, and recommend places that Matt and Harrison can seek professional help for giving this movie uh, <laughs> the kind of scores that they did, you can do that at mgttmpodcast at gmail.com. You can email the show any thoughts you have on the Indiana Jones series. Send us your rankings. If you've seen Dial of Destiny, go ahead and include that. Uh, rank these one through five. Tell us your thoughts on that. Uh, or any episode here at Matt Goes to the Movies. You can also find the show on all of your favorite social media platforms. You can find the show on Facebook, including the official Facebook group. Uh, you can also find the show on Instagram, Reddit, TikTok, YouTube, anywhere you are on the internet, you can find Matt Goes to the Movies. And that is the best way. And certainly subscribe wherever you're listening to this now. Subscribe to the show. That way it just shows up in your uh, list of shows to download and listen to anytime new episodes get published. Uh, you will find pretty much something for everybody on the channel. So we're hoping that uh, if you've enjoyed these Indiana Jones episodes, that you yeah, stick around thank for you more fun. so much listeners. We got one more to go to finish up Indiana, the Indiana Jones series. Uh, really looking forward to that one. And once again, thank you so much for tuning in to this and every other episode. And we will see you very soon at Matt goes to the movies. <laughs>